WFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. And I know you waited out all that Earth Day nonsense so you could get to the porn addict, didn't you? I know you were. I I would too. I'd be sitting in my car going, I am not getting out of the car till I meet the woman. Woman who says she was addicted to porn. Okay, I'm, I'm being really salacious here. Um, before I introduce my guest, I just want to say something about pornography. I am divided on how I feel about pornography. I don't think, though, that too much of anything is good for a developing mind. Let me just say that. Um, If you look at statistics on how high the porn use is, you find these two groups on the Internet spouting statistics. One are the far-right, anti-porn, often religious folks who act like it is the biggest scourge on our society and the use is so high it's infecting everybody and everywhere. The other side is you get like this the statistics given by the porn sites like Pornhub. They give out statistics all the time. And of course, they say porn use is just so high and enormous because they want to normalize it. And in fact, their latest statistic talked about how many women are using porn now finally because they want to expand their market to more women. They need to normalize it. So I don't trust any of those stats. Um, I did turn to the American Psychological Association and they seem a little more balanced Um, basically stating that some pornography use can be very helpful in relationships. And indeed, that not only can erotica enhance sex lives, um, but also watching porn can be a safer recreational outlet for people who might be thinking about sexual assault. I mean, they use the example of when pornography was legalized in Denmark, uh, researchers reported a corresponding decline in sexual aggression. So there's some good to it. The downside is that if you look at some of the statistics, they say about 9% of the people who use porn say they cannot stop. And with that, I want to tell you, I read this amazing article uh, in Time magazine about a young author named Erica Garza. Welcome, Erica. Who uh, went through quite a journey. Her book is called Getting Off, One Woman's Journey Through Sex and Porn Addiction. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Nice and close to the mic, please. We want to catch your voice. Um, So how did it start, first of all? So it started in a really ordinary way. I started watching porn when I was 12. Yeah, we want to stop here and just say that the average age most kids, you think your kids aren't seeing it, see porn is about 11. Right. Right. And And what made you look for it at the beginning? Oh, just curiosity. And it was a much different time then because it was late. It was early 90s, excuse me. And so I didn't have hardcore Internet porn the way kids have access to that now. And that scares me to think if I did have access, what what would have become of my addiction? Um, But it started really mildly with softcore porn on late night cable TV and kind of showtime ish. Yeah, it was Cinemax. <laughs> right, Cinemax. <laughs> and it was very exciting, and I wanted to watch it all the time. Um, but nobody in my family had ever talked about sex before, and I'd never heard other girls talking about sex or masturbation or porn. So I had no idea what I'd stumbled across. All I knew was that I liked it, and I wanted to keep watching it. And I think that that's really ordinary for a 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid to be going through. Mm-hmm. Um, but what switched... I went through the Harlequin romance phase, so okay. all my porn was in my head. We didn't okay. have the visuals. <laughs> Still exciting. <laughs> yeah. But what changed it for me was not long after those discoveries, I was um, diagnosed with scoliosis, and I had to wear a back brace for two years. 
And I started to feel really insecure and self-conscious and afraid of social rejection. And so and this I is middle would, school, middle school. And I was afraid of kids making fun of me. And they did make fun of me no matter how much I tried to not get attention drawn to me. And so I turned to porn and I turned to masturbating because I'd done those things and I liked those things. And when I was trying to achieve orgasm, when I was caught up in that world watching those things, I could get a break from all the big scary feelings that I that aroused in me when I was being picked on or when I was thinking about what my body looked like to other people. It was just an escape route. And I came to rely on porn as an escape route going forward, even when I eventually got the brace removed. It had already become a crutch for me. And as you got older, did it impact your adult romantic relationships? It did. So I came to rely on a certain kind of sexual um outlet. It wasn't just pleasure. I had to have this aspect of shame attached to it because mm. from the beginning when I discovered these things, masturbation and porn, I felt really guilty about it and ashamed because nobody was talking about this. So I had nothing to reference to say that what I was going through was okay. And it was okay to explore my body. There was nothing for me to turn to. And so I immediately assumed, also I should mention I was raised Catholic. So that Yeah, I was going to say, you know, there's a lot of shame comorbid with us Catholics, okay? Why do you think Catholic girls have so much fun? Um, the word <laughs> no is the world's biggest aphrodisiac. I swear to God. So as soon as parents say, no, 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 we won't even talk about it. It doesn't even exist. Then all of a sudden it becomes arousing. And then right. there's the shame. Like somehow you're a bad person for experiencing this kind of pleasure. Right. And and how it worked for me as well and how, how it happens for a lot of people is that I started to feel like I wasn't turned on by any of those mild scenes that I started with. I had to seek out harder clips. And Yeah, porn makes you up the ante, doesn't it? It did. And it's like, a, you know, people often refer to it as a gateway drug. And it, it kind of works that way for people who feel like they can't turn away from it. Um, you start seeking harder clips and, and, you know, new novelty plays a big role in that. So I needed to, f to be shocked in times and to feel just the intensity that I got the first time I watched it. And, and that didn't really work if I was just watching mild scenes anymore. Softcore definitely wouldn't get me off. What's fascinating about you to me is, well, many things, but first is that women generally aren't as visually wired as men. Like I can watch porn and I laugh. It's just funny to me. I literally do not get aroused by anything visual. For me, it's all about the smell. I got to smell something, right? Right. And so it's fascinating that you, it was the visual stimuli that really triggered you. Yeah, I haven't heard that before. It was certainly the visual stimuli. Although, you know, I could work out a fantasy in my head pretty well. Right, because they do say that women, when they do consume porn, more often consume it with a partner, unlike your experience, and that they prefer the story that goes mm -hmm. with it, right? Whereas men are happy to look at pornography where even the faces aren't even in there. They don't even need the faces. Right. Um, but in your case, you could fantasize the story. I could. And a lot of times when I was watching porn with a partner, I was too ashamed to watch the kind of porn that I would watch in private. So I would often watch porn clips that I thought they would like, things that would turn them on. Even if I wasn't actually getting turned on by it, I just thought, you know, it was kind of I got into this role of performing for the man, what I thought he wanted and what he wanted to watch. Well, also, that's probably what you learned from porn about sex, that it's a performance because pornography is not real sex. I mean, it's a performance, right? Yeah. And I think that that's the danger in young people watching porn these days is they start to perform in bed. They don't explore according to what they like or, you know, what feels good to them. They think that they have to do things a certain way based on what they've seen. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what was the pivotal moment when you knew you had to 
fix this? You know, a lot of times people ask me what my bottom was, you know, the thing that forced me to turn around. Um, But I didn't have one low point. I feel like it was a gradual progression of just feeling stuck and feeling lonely for a really long time. I got to a point where it became easier to flirt with somebody than to make conversation. It was easier to have sex with somebody than to be their friend. And Mm. I never felt this true intimacy or connection with another person. And I really missed that. Anytime I felt like I was caring about somebody or they cared about me, that all just seemed too scary. I needed there to be this wall between me and another person, just like there was always a wall between me and the computer computer screen. And when did you realize this was a problem and maybe you and should I would, work on changing? I'd say in my late 20s, it started to become pretty clear to me. Okay, everybody, she looks like she's in her early 20s right now. Okay, <laughs> continue. <Thank> you. <laughs> and, you know, I'd sabotage yet another relationship where I felt like I could care about this person, but that was all too scary. And I just felt like I was too aware of this pattern that was happening in my life. And I'd felt so ashamed and so alone for so long. And I thought, okay, I just need to change this. And so my 30th birthday was coming up and I thought, okay, what better time to do it than now? I want that decade to be better than the last. I need to make some serious changes in my life. Okay, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, I want to hear what you did. And also, let's give some advice to people who either may be suffering from this or be living with a spouse or partner who has some kind of porn addiction and it's affecting their relationship. Let's talk about it when we come back. I'm with Erica Garza, the author of Getting Off, One Woman's Journey Through Sex and Porn Addiction. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Wells Show on KFI AM 640. Larry Perel's got the news. AM 640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. Make sure you follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. The handle's all the same, just DR, the brief thing for doctor, Dr. Wendy Walsh. My guest, Erica Garza, is an author who has written for Time, Glamour, Health, Bust, Good Housekeeping, The Cut, uh, and on and on and on. But her new book, her first book actually, is a very personal story. It is called Getting Off. One Woman's Journey Through Sex and Porn Addiction. Erica, you're very brave to tell this story. First of all, I want to know what the reaction has been to the book. The reaction has been overwhelmingly positive, and I'm very lucky and so grateful for that. I was preparing myself for some backlash and, you know, for my parents to break down and oh. tell me they were so upset. You know, all the, the worst case scenarios ran through my head, and everyone has been so supportive. You know, I think everyone is just understanding that this is a story that needs to be told and especially when it comes to my parents who I mentioned I think they knew that this was a big part of my healing process writing this book mm-hmm. and they're just proud that I was able to get through it and and share well, that with I'm other very people. proud of you if that helps thank you <laughs> so um if the American Psychological Association says nine percent of people who use pornography say that they cannot stop let us talk to that population what did you do to change your porn addiction habit? I'd say the first and the biggest game changer for me was talking about it, was Mm. breaking the silence because it was something that I felt so ashamed about. Like I was more broken than anybody else. And if anybody found this out about me, they would want nothing to do with me. And it was something to, to keep 
a part of yourself hidden like that um, is just, it's such a disservice to yourself. Who did you tell first? So the first person I told was the man who eventually became my husband. Aww. And so at my 30th birthday, I decided to take this big trip to Bali, sort of inspired by Eat, Pray, Love, which I just <laughs> read. And, you know, I had this mission to just take care of myself and do things differently, just spend time by myself. And I was doing a lot of yoga and meditating, and it's so beautiful there. And you can just spend lots of time on your own, just just chilling out in a, in a yoga studio or in the rice fields. And um, I was in that kind of clear-headed space when I met my husband at a yoga class. Just like Eat, Pray, Love. You met I him know. in Bali? Yes, I know. Yeah, I'm, Joey, <laughs> I'm booking a trip to Bali. I was going to do Thailand. I'm doing Bali now. You got to do it. Um, it's beautiful. Okay. <laughs> and so I will go so far as to say... This was the beginning of you having a truly intimate relationship with somebody by exposing this part of yourself. Exactly. And, you know, he was also on his own path to recovery. He's a recovering drug addict. And so he was also on a similar kind of journey of just taking care of himself and doing things differently. So we're able to, we were able to meet each other on the same path and hold each other in that space and just be vulnerable and real. And so I took a chance and told him that, you know, I thought that I was a sex and porn addict and... He didn't run away, and it felt so good to be well, able... Well, I just want to say that heterosexual men usually do not run away from women who call themselves a sex addict. <laughs> just want to be clear. Don't mean to make light of your situation here, but that's what happened. That is a valid point. Um, so luckily, he hung in there. Good guy. He hung in there, yeah. He was willing to see it through. But, I mean, for you, so your sexual experience, how did it change when you didn't have the assistance of pornography? I could relax a little more oh. and be present, I guess. I just wasn't stuck in my head. I wasn't just, you know, being like a like a machine because oftentimes I felt like I was just caught up in these mechanical movements and just zoning out and not really being present to these experiences that were so fulfilling. You know, I'd let so many experiences just pass me by instead of enjoying them. So I was able to really just enjoy myself a little more and be real with another person and allow myself to be vulnerable. And it just didn't feel so lonely anymore. And that was the biggest changer for me. Big change for me was connecting with another person. And I'd been missing out on that for a really long time. Was it difficult to get off a porn addiction? Yes. Absolutely. Tell you me know, what your strategies. Like, did you have some behavioral techniques? Like when you had that impulse to go reach for the remote control, you did what? I tried a lot of different things. So I, I stepped away. First of all, I tried to get myself away from all of the, the atmosphere that supported that. So being alone, watching porn in a dark bedroom, you know, like go outside, you know, do something else. But also, you know, I started to really pay attention to why I'd reach for those things in the mm -hmm. first place. Right. What were the cues, in right? investigating, you know, when I was 12 years old and I first started reaching for this as a crush, what was going on? Like, what can I do to take care of that 12-year-old girl who still lived inside me and still felt insecure? And so I tried a lot of different things. You know, yoga was one of those things to just kind of pay attention to the mess in my mind and the mm -hmm. kind of things I was telling myself. Meditation is fantastic. Erica, they're making us go to a break, but can you stay for one more segment? Because this is yeah. so darn interesting. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. My guest, Erica Garza, is a recovering porn addict, and she's going to tell us how you can feel better if it's affecting your relationship as well. This is Dr. Wendy Walsh on KFIM 6 where Leah Perel's got the news. KFI AM 640, Dr. Wendy Walsh here with my guest, writer Erica Garza, author of her first book, Getting Off, her memoir on sex addiction. 
Uh, so you were about to tell me something that caused a big change in you. So I, I should say, I, I, you know, I said that I met my husband and I told him that I was a sex addict. And oftentimes when I say that, there's a part of me that's like, oh, you're making it sound like you were saved by a man, you know? And I want to make it clear for people who are suffering, if they don't have, you know, a romance going on and there's not a partner they could tell that they're a sex addict or porn addict to, you can make that sort of confession at a 12-step meeting. I think that that's a great place to start. Mm -hmm. for or people. with a therapist. Or with a therapist, absolutely. Um, but I do think the main point there is being able to reveal that part of yourself that you may be keeping hidden and, and scared to tell other people. And I, you know, I often tell people who ask me, you know, where should I go for help? I say 12 step meeting, but that's not the only thing that's out there. And for me, you know, 12 step was just one of many of the different things that I tried. Um, so being in a healthy relationship really helped me doing yoga and meditating and paying attention to my head, um, 12 step, going to therapy, all of those things were, you know, part of the process. And I think that it takes, trying a lot of different methods to find what works for you. And sometimes it's the combination of all of those different things. You know, we think that behavioral change is all about willpower, but willpower has nothing to do with it. It's about changing the schema and being aware of your cues. For instance, I have a friend who's a therapist and specializes in, she's a hip, hypnotherapist as well as being a psychotherapist, and she specializes in helping people quit smoking. And the first thing she does is make them move all the furniture around in their living room to different places because it is just such a habit that you walk into the room at the set time of the day and you sit in a certain chair and your ashtray's right there. So if, if only you have to stumble around looking for your chair, that's enough to jolt you into weight. It's mm -hmm. a cue, right, that I want a cigarette. And so I think that we all, no matter what behavior we're trying to curtail, need to look at the schema in our life that set up the cues and then be aware of the cues, which sounds like you did very well. Mm -hmm. What about relationships you think where one partner is addicted and it's affecting their own romantic relationship? There's research to show that when the man is addicted to pornography, uh, women report uh, greater feelings of depression, anxiety, and low self-esteem. Um, you know, I'm going to say they need couples therapy, but what can you say to the sex addict or the porn addict? I would say couples therapy as well. I think that, you know, if, if it's too intense to have that sort of conversation in private, just the two of you, having another person there who specializes in these kind of difficult conversations and having a safe space like that to talk about these delicate subjects can be incredibly helpful. And to just be patient and and make that space in that room for the other person to be vulnerable and open up and to discover that there is probably something underneath that. The, the, they're reaching for those, the porn and the sex and, the, and those compulsions because they're trying to, you know, hide something or push something else down that needs to come up. And so to talk about that thing can be tremendously helpful. You have, have not completely abstained from porn. You still use it recreationally, but not addictively. Say that correctly? Right. So I took about six months off from watching porn completely. And in that time, I had all sorts of ideas about what I thought recovery was supposed to look like. And I was going to 12-step meetings and, you know, thinking that I had to be in this strict monogamous relationship and just being very strict with myself. And then it started to feel inauthentic after a while. And I felt like I was cutting off a part of my sexuality and that that wasn't really the answer. And I realized that I still wanted to be an experimental, open-minded sexual person. And, you know, I just didn't want to hurt people you, that I loved. And, and you didn't want it to 
run you. And yeah. You wanted to run your sex life. I wanted to be the person to make that choice. Exactly. And I also didn't want to feel bad about those things either. And shame was such a huge part of my addiction. I didn't want that to run the show anymore. So I think it's important to get to a place of balance. And I think that's possible. Sex addiction is not like drug or alcohol addiction. You don't just give it up completely. That's not living either or happiness either. So it's all about finding a place where you can have a healthy relationship with it. Well, like with, it. with an eating disorder, you still have to go to the refrigerator three times a day and walk that tiger, right? So right. you just have to change your relationship with food. And it sounds like you changed your relationship with sex. I did. And it's an ongoing effort. You know, yeah. it's going to take work and there will be stumbles and triggers along the way. But I'm much more aware of it at this point. I need to ask this because I'm very curious. So you mentioned that, you know, at the beginning, uh, when you were a young girl, uh, you consumed the kind of pornography that we, we would call soft porn. And that it kept getting more and more severe, more hardcore. Now, then you took six months off. Then when you went back to porn... What kind of porn appealed to you? I would say I went back to some of the softer stuff, actually. Oh, and yeah, and I don't use it, you know, I don't use it the way that I used to. And I don't feel like I need to. And I felt like just taking that break and starting to work on my issues and, you know, investigating, like I said, why I'd reach for those things in the first place. It, it got me to a place where I just didn't need to rely on it the way that I needed to anymore. And I could just kind of have fun with it, which I feel like I do that now. And you're in a happy marriage. You have a two-year-old. Does your husband like pornography? He does. Oh, yeah. thank goodness. Because I don't know. <laughs> that would be a problem. It would be a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I just want to close this little section about pornography by saying that I am very neutral on pornography. I both see the benefits in helping long-term monogamy. And I also see the dangerous parts. I certainly for young developing minds, it's not the place to learn about sexuality. There are plenty of other places and it's also, you know, devoid of relational aspects, the intimacy piece, all the other pieces that lead up to the plumbing that you witness on porn. And then of course I have some concerns about the porn industry itself and its treatment of women and some of the harder core stuff and how women are victimized in pornography. And so that's, you know, as feminists, it's a little hard on me. On the other hand, you know, there are plenty of marriages that have been saved because of pornography to keep it interesting. So it's, it's like a double-edged sword, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's like the walk that you have with, yeah. with both things. Um, in closing thoughts, Erica, what, uh, what advice do you give to somebody who's who feels that they may be addicted to pornography. I just want to say you are not alone. That's mm -hmm. the biggest thing I can tell you. Um, you know, I've been there. A lot of us have been there. And I think that that's really important for a person to just take in when you're feeling like you're the only person going through this. It's just, just know there's other people out there going through it too. Mm -hmm. Well said. Thank you so much for coming to the studio. Thank you. And gentlemen, I know you're listening and I know you're wondering. So this is radio, so you can't see. Yes, she's hot. Okay, enough said. <laughs> <laughs> now she's going to me too me after this. But I do suggest you get the book because it is a really deep exploration. Uh, the book is called Getting Off, One Woman's Journey Through Sex and Porn Addiction. Thank you so much, Erica Garza, for coming into the studio. Thank you. This is KFI AM 640. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. Larry Perel's got the news for us.